So what does it mean to be human? Our world is in a conversation, it's in a a conflict, it's in confusion about what does it mean to be human? Maybe some of you have been in a conversation with someone, a friend, a stranger, or scrolled through your social media outlet and seen this conversation going, what what does it mean to be human? Is it self-prescribed based on emotion and feeling? Or is it more concrete? Uh, is it something to do with our social construct, our language, our ethnicity? Um, is it has to do with our biology, our gender, our sexual expression? Or is there something more? We're in a series called Treasure Map, and today I'd like to diverge just a little bit from Pastor Kenneth's sermon series. And I'm going to go back to October 16th when he shared a sermon. We talked about the tabernacle, the temple, and the Christ. And we're going to help answer this question with some of what he talked about in his sermon. Now, the reason I'm talking about this, it's really simple. This has changed my life. Like, it's, it's changed how I look at myself, how I look at other people, God, and the world around me. And I love sharing something that has changed my life, and hopefully It'll change yours as well. We're going to zoom in on three key words. We're going to look at a text, a scripture, and cross-reference all over the place. So I would encourage you to get out your paper Bibles, your electronic Bibles, your Westwood app, right? And we're going to dig in, and we're going to, we're going to look at this question, what does it mean to be human? And my prayer is this, when I and you and we all leave this place, we're going to be stretched. We're going to hopefully be challenged to think differently and to see what the scripture says. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be changed when we leave here, okay? Let's all stand to our feet as we go to the Lord in prayer. Before we pray, I just want to say to you, if you're here this morning and you're not a Jesus kind of person or a Christian, it takes some courage to walk in a big building like this. I'm glad you're here. And and this is going to be good for you because it's going to give you a chance to peek into Christianity, what it's all about. If you are a Jesus follower, a Christian, maybe there's some religious words you're going to hear for the first time they are going to make sense for you, and you can put some flesh and bones on that, okay? All right, let's just pray. We're going to stand in silence for a moment. Just be in silence. Lord, we want to be overcome by your presence this morning, like the song was singing. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit, to do your work in this place. And we stand in honor of you, Jesus, in your word. I pray that you speak loudly this morning, much louder than human words. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we read from the Christian Standard Version of the Bible. Let me give you a little context here in this text before we dive too deeply into it. Um, We find ourselves in a place called Thessalonica. The apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians there around 51 AD. And there was like 200,000 people in this town. And in this town, it was was very religious, very, very religious place. We'll learn about this a little later. But it it had a, a group of Christians there. Um, these, these Christians um, were interfacing with this Greek-Roman world. There was a prominent port city. Paul came here on his second missionary journey. And this, my friends, is one of the earliest writings we have of the Apostle Paul. Isn't that exciting? 
one of the earliest letters. So let's start in verse 23, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. Let's jump in. Paul says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Let's stop right there. The word now. Don't miss this adverb. Paul is saying, I'm landing the plane. I'm concluding this letter. This is a transition spot. Now may the God of peace. Now why is this so significant? Why is this so important? Because in this Greco-Roman world, it was a polytheistic world where people were very religious. There was a Jewish synagogue there. There were multiple gods that people worship there. Um, you may have heard some of these. Zeus, the king of gods, which is kind of funny. Uh, Vulcan, right? Birmingham, the god of fire. Nike, goddess of victory. Hermes, messenger of the gods. And when Paul writes these words, this is strong. Don't miss any word when you dig into scripture here. It says this, now may the God, the God, it's like saying the Ohio State University, right? May the, I didn't go there. I'm not a fan of them. I'm just a lowly Auburn fan struggling here, okay? <laughs> now, now may the God of peace. They're a bunch of gods, but this is like the God. This is better than all the gods. What kind of God? The God of peace. Why is that significant? Because in this Roman world, the Roman slogan that were on coins and that were spoken to one another back and forth to each other was this, peace and security, peace and security, peace and security. Because they believed that Rome and Caesar, Claudius I was the Caesar then, that they provided peace for people. And Paul says this, listen, now may the God of peace, and the word peace in the Greek is irene which is where we get our English word, ironic, ironic. Because it was ironic that there was peace beyond this Roman world. And Christians were being persecuted, killed, and isolated in this world. There was a lot going on in this world. So may the God of peace himself, personal God, not like some stone God on a hill somewhere, a personal God himself, may the God himself sanctify you, may he set, may he set you apart completely. This is the only time in the New Testament this word is used. Completely. Why is that important? Your verse in the Bible may say through and through. Who says that? Who has that in their Bible? Through and through. Yeah. Through and through. Remember that. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body, key words for the message this morning, be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 23 times in the scripture, it says this, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because listen, they really believe Jesus could come back any moment. I'm guilty. Sometimes I just forget about that. I just kind of live for the moment, for the weekend, for the vacation. But they really believe that. And it says this, he who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Remember that. Underline that in your Bibles. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, this is the first time it's mentioned. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. This is Paul, Timothy, and Silas. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. This is a formal greeting, like a handshake, where they kiss each other on the cheek. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all brothers and sisters, third time. And then the grace, circle that word, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. All right, let's jump into our outlines. We're gonna come back to the scripture as we walk through this message. What does it mean to be human? To help us understand this, we're going to look at the egg. And for those of you who are allergic to eggs and get really sick when you see eggs, you're going to hear a lot about eggs this morning. I'm just warning you, okay? You'll see eggs on the wall. There'll be eggs everywhere this morning, okay? Let's consider the egg. The egg is made of three parts. Spirit, 
right? The first thing we're going to talk about the spirit, but the egg is made of three parts. It's made of the yolk, the egg white, and the shell. The yolk and the egg white and the shell. And the very first thing we're going to talk about is the spirit. First point, we are a spirit. We are a spirit. It's how we relate to God. Genesis 1, let's go back to the beginning, the first book of the Bible. The Bible says, then God said, let us, the Trinity, make man in our image. Make man in our image. The word image is selim. It's translated resemblance, a representative form, like a shadow. Listen to this. To shade. It's a copy of God on earth. Isn't that incredible? Maybe I'm a little more excited about that than you guys are this morning. But we are a copy of God on earth. John 4, 24 says this. God is spirit, and we must worship God in spirit and in truth. Worship God with who we are. We are a spirit. We are a spirit. Ephesians 1, chapter 13. In Jesus, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and when you believed. This word sealed is a powerful word because in the first century, in the first century, when something or someone was sealed, you put a mark on a contract, on a letter, on an animal, even on a person. Sealed. You were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours, right? You were sealed. You were sealed. Remember that whole song? I know where that came from. Pop right out. Signed, sealed, delivered, right? God seals us. Now let's talk about this. The egg yolk. The egg yolk is the DNA of the egg. It has the chromosomes, the genes. It makes the chicken look like the chicken, right? Um, when the rooster comes along, it fertilizes the eggs and it creates a new life. A chicken, right? Now, we are a spirit. We don't have a spirit. We are a spirit. And spiritual change comes instantaneously when the Holy Spirit comes to our spirit and brings us spiritually alive. Like Ephesians says, when you believed. The gospel, the good news. Second Peter 1 says this, Christians participate with a divine nature. This is where this exchange happens. God is spirit. He gives us his Holy Spirit, puts it inside of us, and there's a spiritual collision with the Holy Spirit and our spirit. We go from dead to alive. The word spirit in the Greek is pneuma. It's where we get our word breath. Wind. It's where we get our word pneumonia, which you may have been coming off of that this past week, right? The gospel is the Holy Spirit is breathed into us at salvation. It changes our spirit. We are made in God's image, God is spirit and so are we. It's our deepest identity. Like the yolk is the deepest part of the egg. It defines the egg. The spirit defines us. We're given this new spirit, given new DNA to look like Jesus, to be sealed in Jesus, to be branded and sealed like Jesus, right? So how does this happen? In 1 Thessalonians 5, it mentions the God of peace, he will do it. It doesn't say the God with peace, it says the God of peace. Like, like he is peace. He's the, he's the missing peace. Without him, there's no peace in this life. And then the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he will do it. That's how it happens. He will do it. I have a funny story to tell you. Uh, back many years ago, I was in a gas station. That was back then you had to pay for gas. You'd actually walk in the gas station and pay for gas. Remember those days? 
Um, and so I was standing in line with all those people. I was like four, four or five people back in line. And there's this guy right in front of me. And, and it just got a little awkward because he started humming. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. And we're kind of moving forward. And the closer we got to the register, he's getting louder and louder. He's like, mm-hmm. And then he's like one person away from the register. True story. And he starts going, do it, Lord. Do it, true story, do it, Lord. And then he gets to the cash register and the lady's looking at him and he's not even talking to her. He's just going, do it, Lord. And she's going. (laughs) And he's pointing to the lottery ticket. Do it, Lord. Do it. And the whole line behind me were like, he's grabbing, he's like, do it, Lord. He's giving his money. He walks off, do it, Lord. Do it. He really believes, like, okay, God, I'm going to buy this lottery ticket. I'm going to be a gajillionaire, right? right? And that's a silly story to share. But, but here's, here's the, the, the reality of it. Only God, only God can do it by the grace of Jesus Christ. Not our good works, our religiosity, not belonging to a denomination, right? Only God through the gospel of Jesus Christ can do it, and he will do it, and he is faithful You may be struggling right now and you're wondering if God's gonna be faithful in your life right now, but he loves you and he is faithful. He is faithful. Christianity is losing our old identity, the spirit to God. The spirit is given to us, the Holy Spirit. We were dead to God and alive to the world. Then we get a new spirit. We're dead to our old self. We're new and we're alive in our new spirit. The theological word is justification. It says this, the action of showing something to be made right. This is interesting. When Jesus died on the cross, his last words, very important, right? His last words were this, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. God is spirit, and so are we. Our spirit one day will enter into eternity. Everybody's spirit will go into eternity, into heaven or hell. There are two real places. And if you're watching online right now, they are real. And God wants to spend eternity with you. If you don't belong to him, he loves you. So we are a spirit, is how we relate to God. The second thing I'd like to talk about is, uh, the second point, is we are expressed by a soul. Don't miss these words. We are expressed by a soul, is how we relate to ourselves and others. We are expressed by a soul. Psalm 103 says this, My soul bless the Lord in all that is within me. My spirit and my soul, all that is within me. The word soul is nefesh in the Hebrew. It means inner being of mankind or self. So my nefesh bless Yehovah, the existing one. My soul bless Yehovah. Consider the egg white. The egg white supports the yolk nutritionally, right? Just like the soul supports the spirit. And there's an interaction. It's hard to tell when one starts and one ends. Now, let's talk about the word soul. The word soul comes from the word psyche. It's where we get our word psychology, the study of behavior. It makes us unique. Our soul is expressed by three things. Our mind, will, and emotions. Write those down. Mind, will, and emotions. What is our soul? It's our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions. Before someone becomes a Christian, they have a dead spirit, and that interfaces with a soul, and the soul responds to a dead spirit, and they think a certain way, and they make choices a certain way, and they have certain kind of emotions, and they live off emotions, they live off thoughts, and then they make choices with a dead spirit, 
right? And that's why it's so important to understand when you give your life to Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, everything changes. Because the world's cry is this, I feel, therefore I am. And you know, listen, you know this, especially if you've lived a little longer in life. You know this, feelings can be so deceitful, so deceitful. If I respond to all my feelings, who knows where I'm gonna be going with my life. The train wreck I'm gonna get myself into. After you give yourself and your life to Jesus, your spirit is changed, it interfaces with your soul, and this is what happens. It's a process. It's like your soul starts to change. You start to think differently. Can anybody relate to that? You remember when you gave your life to Christ? You start thinking differently. You start having different choices, different motivations, and even different feelings. And feelings are like the caboose of the train, right? It's the Holy Spirit interacting with your mind and your body, and things start to change inside of us. It's a choice of the soul when you invite the Spirit of God inside of you. The soul is empty and dead, and mankind comes to an end and says, I don't want to do this anymore. God, I want you. And it changes the soul. Sanctification is the word. It means to be set apart for a special use. And listen, my friends, God wants to set you apart for a special use, just like the first century Thessalonica church. That's good news for us to hold on to. How does this happen? Scripture. Scripture. Here's one way. I'm going to give you two ways. Scripture and prayer. Let's just talk about Scripture. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God, the scripture, is living, it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating, underline that word, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit and body. Soul, spirit. The penetration of scripture happens this way. When you read it, when you meditate on it, when you memorize it, when you sing it, when you celebrate it. I have a great, great story. I have a buddy, uh, he's Jewish, and I've been to two of his son's um, bar mitzvahs. Haven't you been to a bar mitzvah before? They're so much fun. And so there's a part in the ceremony where they take the Torah out of the ark, and they take it, and they dance it around the sanctuary and celebrate it, and people are just reaching out to touch it, and they're clapping, and they're singing Psalm 29. And in Psalm 29, seven times it says this, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And people are just dancing and reaching out to it, hugging and crying and celebrating the Torah, celebrating the dancing around the room, and they bring it back and they put it in the Torah. We have an opportunity to take this scripture right here and to dance it around our soul. Get it in our minds. Get it deep in our souls to celebrate it. The voice of the Lord. To celebrate the voice of the Lord. The living and active, penetrating word of the sword of the spirit, sharper, digging into our lives, changing us. And then there's prayer. Prayer changes us. It changes others. It changes situations and events. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer is this interface with the spirit and the soul. And you've been there before. I was there this morning when deacons laid hands on me before I spoke in the first service. And they prayed for me. And our spirits and souls were connected. And there was an interface with God and each other. It was amazing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 25 talks about brothers and sisters, pray for us also. It's an invitation for prayer. One of my dearest friends in the world, like he knows, he's known me for 35 years. He was in my wedding, he was my college roommate. Dear, dear buddy, his friends were married, his parents, 
His parents were married for 50 years. And every single night before they went to bed, they prayed. I'm like, I feel convicted. <laughs> As a husband, I am not worthy of that one, you know? I've, I haven't done that. For 50 years, they prayed together. You know why? Listen, the most intimate you will ever be with anyone is spiritually. Amen? The most intimate you will ever be with anyone is spiritually. When your souls and spirits go like this, that's why so many relationships fail in this world because they have a buffer of this physical intimacy. They think it's gonna be the connection point, but it actually makes you feel more empty and it fogs everything. Husbands, the most intimate you will be with your wives spiritually. Most couples will never experience that. Spiritually. You hear the word soulmates, that's where that comes from. Our soul, it will enter into eternity. It's how we, listen, it's how we will recognize others. It's how I will recognize family members. People I never even met yet. My grandfather, who was a Baptist preacher in New York City, I never met him. I'll meet him by his soul. My grandpa, Hugo, it's you. We are expressed by a soul. It's how we relate to ourselves and the world around us. All right, final point. We have a body. We are a spirit that's expressed by a soul. We just have a body. You I'd like to call it our earth suit. Can we just look at these as our earth suit? We have it for a little while. It's just an earth suit. That's all it is. It's an earth suit. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. For we know that if our earthly tent, the earth tent, the earth suit, we live in is destroyed. We have a building. So we go from a tent to a building. Like this is okay having a tent for a little while, but we're gonna get like a building, right? From God, an eternal dwelling. Eternal goes on forever and ever. In the heavens, not made with humans' hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent. Anybody groaning as they get older? I wake up every morning groaning. Like, oh, groaning in this tent. Desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. It's called glorification, receiving a new eternal body in heaven. There's no sickness, there's no death. The eggshell. Oh, look at the eggshell over here. The eggshell, there it is. The eggshell, it comes with different colors and sizes. It cracks, it protects the egg, what's inside of it. It's just like the body. The body is flesh and bones. It protects the organs. Jesus had a body, a soma, a body, for 33 years. So if you don't think God understands what you're going through, he does. He walked this planet for 33 years with a body. Can you imagine leaving eternity and putting on an earth suit like this? Right? It's like wearing a tux and coming down and putting on a pair of T-shirt and some workout shorts. Jesus understands what you're walking through. The body is temporary, though, just like the egg is, temp is temporary. Excuse me. Christians are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's what Pastor Kenneth talked about on October 16th. You may want to go back and listen to that in the sermon. He talked about how we were like this portable temple walking around. Isn't that powerful to think about? We hold God inside of us, the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian in this place. We hold God inside of us, right? We are to take care of our bodies, we're to eat right, we're to exercise, we're to sleep, right? I'm not saying it's just an earth suit. We are to take care of it, right? We are to take care of it. I work in a hospital. I'm a hospital chaplain. And I see people who are sick all the time who don't take care of themselves. I meet 95-year-olds sometimes. 
And they're just as sharp cognitively and physically they can still move around because they've taken care of themselves. And some of that is genetic, I get it. But please take care of the temple that God's given you. You see, we, we have a body, we're not a body. Most people put so much attention on the body, that's their identity. It's not who you are. It's not who you are at all. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, it talks about greeting brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. Uh, I met with the executive team before I preached this, and we're gonna come up with a new policy where the greeters at the doors are gonna be kissing people when they walk in. So, yeah, I know, I know. So if they start moving towards you, just go, you know, just kind of, you know. I'm joking, they're not gonna be greeting each other. I'm joking. But all this was was a formal handshake. But this is bigger than uh, uh, this, this holy kiss. Let me talk about this holy kiss really quick. This is about people interacting with one another, sharing life with one another, a deeper meaning. Um, I'm the adults group pastor here, and um, I mean, we have so many great things going on. Um, we have life groups on and off the campus. We're getting ready to start home groups in the new year where you can meet in homes. Um, and, and we also have the Westwood Institute coming up, which is we're gonna meet on Wednesday night for 18 weeks and talk about theology and doctrine and dig really, really deep to stir up our souls and our spirits together. It's gonna be amazing. We have amazing communicators lined up to teach these things. So get ready to share those things. But this is different than a book club, an alumni group, hobbies, events. You share deeply life with your spirit and your soul. That connection. There's nothing like it in the world. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. So what does it mean to be human? We'll put our impact point on the screens. I'd like to read that together. If you could read that, that out loud with me together. When the gospel of Jesus Christ invades the spirit, soul, and body, a new kind of human life is formed. It's inside out living. A new person to a point where you can't even recognize yourself anymore. Do you remember back, if you're a believer, the way it was, the way you thought, the choices you made, and you're like, I can't believe I made those choices. And do you remember since what's happened? Do you remember what's happened in your life? God wants to change you from the inside out. See, we, we are a spirit. We're expressed by a soul. We just have an earth suit on the outside. I wanna close with a story. My, my, uh, my father was my hero. My father was never sick a day in his life. He, uh, he was uh, very involved in my life. He went to all my, I was a runner. He, he, he went to all my races all over New England, watched me run. And uh, I remember I got that phone call when my wife and I were newlyweds. Never forget it. And he said, David, I, I want to tell you I have cancer. And I said, not you, Dad. I mean, you, you're never sick. <laughs> so for eight years, my dad journeyed with cancer. It was the thing where he's going to die one day and he's healed the next day. You know those things? The operation went great. The operation went horrible. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Through that time, God got a hold of his life. And I led him to Jesus. And I baptized him. I mean, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced. Went down to Mexico with my youth group, built homes for kids, did dentist work, kicked the soccer ball around the dirt with the kids. My dad. I was his pal. He called me pal. We were spiritual pals now. Um, we were in Kennestone Hospital in North Atlanta. My dad was lying there with this around his wrist. John Marvin Peacock. You know that scene, right? 
when they're breathing and you wonder if that's going to be the last breath. And it slows down. He finally passed. He died. And his spirit and his soul left his soma, his body. And that was just an empty earth suit just sitting there in the bed, riddled with cancer. We had a funeral for him. And if you've ever tried to preach your, your parents', your parents uh, funeral, it's brutal. Got the bulletin right here. Has a picture of my dad. His dream was to retire and live by the ocean one day. He never made it. Never made it to that. At the very end of the ceremony, my buddy Spencer sang the song I Can Only Imagine. And, uh, and I was sitting there listening to the song because he was singing it. I'm thinking, oh, that body was never my dad. He has a spirit and a soul. As a matter of fact, he's got a glorified body now. He's not sick anymore. And he's going to be with his parents now. And all those who have gone before him. See, my dad was just a spirit expressed by a soul who just had an earth suit for a little while, just like you and me. So what are you going to do with your life now? We have some time on this earth. If you're not a believer, are you tired of having a dead spirit and just affecting your soul and you're making all kinds of choices? And why am I making these choices? It's because your spirit's dead. Let the Holy Spirit come in you and change you from the inside out like it did me, like it did my dad. And watch your soul progressively, sanctifyingly change over time. And he will do it. He is faithful. He will seal you because he loves you. And you, Christian, it's never too late. Start praying with your wife. Read scripture daily. Get in a group somewhere. Change what you're listening to, what you're looking at. It's filling up your soul that's battling with your spirit. Make some commitments. Find a buddy and say, me and you, we're meeting on Monday mornings and we're going to challenge each other. We're going to be gut level honest. No holds bar. Because it's too important not to. Anybody with me out there? Now is our opportunity to live out of our spirit and our soul. <laughs>